Well, if once was nice, twice is better. Welcome to the second edition of the Counter Tray. I'm your host, John Johnson, in the snowy region known as central New York, where it's snowing right now. And hopefully, wherever you are, the weather is a little bit better. Maybe you're sitting at a beach, sipping on a cocktail. We don't have one of those yet. Uh, this has been a busy couple of weeks here for the Washington Redskins and the NFL news in general. The NFL draft combine underway. Obviously, the biggest news coming out of there, Kyler Murray. His height, 5'10 and an inch. So, obviously, not the tallest of quarterbacks. I think we all kind of thought that going in. Uh, he's got some intangibles. We talked about it in our last podcast uh, with Dan Pazuda, how much we actually liked Murray, despite the fact that he's a little bit undersized. Might be a target of Washington's. We'll see if they're going to end up trading up. We'll talk a little bit about the NFL draft. we got some questions from you guys this week. Actually, no guests this week. It's all straight me. We decided to go in a different direction. We take some of your questions. Uh, we'll answer them here in the pod later on in the subject uh, matter. And then you'll hear a hot take for a little bit. But first, as always, we start with our three and out. Antonio Brown is our first subject matter up and Antonio Brown's an interesting case Pittsburgh and him obviously want to separate and go in different directions but it's the stigma around Antonio Brown is he a bit of a locker room head case that seems to be what might scare teams off we're not 100% sure what Pittsburgh is looking for of recent the Steelers have said interest in him has peaked um, and started to pick up uh, early on in the process, they were looking for potentially a late-round draft pick. If you're the Washington Redskins, and, and some reporters have banded this around a little bit, it might be of interest to look at, at Brown. It's a guy who's entering, uh, he's coming off his sixth straight 1,000-yard receiving year. Last year, he had almost 1,300 yards receiving uh, for a Pittsburgh team, and he missed the last couple games. He's dealt with a few injuries, uh, and obviously he didn't have the same connection with Ben Roethlisberger that he had in the past, but he still had over close to 1,300 receiving yards, which is nearly more than 700 more than any Washington wide receiver. Um, and the, you know, and the highest receiver last year for the Redskins was uh, Jordan Reed with 580 and chain. So the Redskins would be able to pick up a wide receiver here who would be their clear-cut number one. That's the one thing the Skins have been missing for a while. And if you look at their receiving core last year, the biggest thing I think they missed was they didn't have a guy like Pierre Garçon. Uh, they added a guy in Paul Rich, uh, Paul Richardson, who I believe is was an excellent addition, a guy who could take the top off the defense. He filled in nicely for that Deshaun Jackson role, but we didn't get a chance to see him play all that much due to injury. Uh, Richardson, I believe, is a guy that could be an excellent number two for you. A guy like uh, Jamison Crowder, who's now entering free agency, is a guy I wouldn't exactly break the bank for. I think he's a terrific wide receiver. I think he's a great slot number three option for you, especially if you have a Jordan Reed at the tight end position and you can get yourself another wide receiver on the outside. But I'm not 100% sure Jamison Crowder's the type of guy that you can look at and say he's your number one or legitimate number two. I think he's a great, great third option, a really good second option for you. But if you can add some pieces around him, it makes him an even better player. He's not afraid to go over the middle. Uh, he's not a guy who's afraid to make catch in traffic. However, He's now a free agent, and it's not one of those situations where I'd be willing to break the bank for um, when I can think I can find a guy um, like Quinn who's already in the roster who can maybe slide into that position uh, and play it admirably. Maybe not as well as Crowder, but he could be a decent uh, fit. You can also look to the middle of the late in the draft where you can find a potential guy like that as well. Uh, this is where a guy like Antonio Brown, obviously a clear-cut number one wide receiver, if you can put him on the outside as your number one, 
split on the opposite side of Richardson and Crowder, and then obviously Jordan Reed as your tight end. You have four legitimate passing options, and this goes back to my point where the Skins really missed a guy like Pierre Garçon, a guy who we knew was reliable, could go over the middle, was not afraid to make a catch in traffic, a guy who helped spread the defense a little bit, wasn't the fastest wide receiver, and he'll readily admit that, but was fast enough and a terrific route runner. Those are compliments that Brown has. A terrific route runner. He's a, a, an excellent receiver. He's got terrific hands. Not afraid to go over the middle. He's aggressive. He does a very good job in blocking. Uh, could be a guy where you, if, you, if you're willing to give up a mid to late round pick, uh, I think that's a, a, a situation where Washington would be best behooved to take a look at. Uh, and it, it also helps that the Redskins have these compensatory picks that they were able to pick up. Uh, they got four compensatory, uh, compensatory picks from the NFL, including a late third round draft pick. You can take one of your sixth and see if you can now put it out in front of Pittsburgh and see if they're willing to take that. If they do, terrific. You've added a, a one of the top wide receivers in all of the NFL for a sixth round draft pick. I don't think you can get a better player uh, in the sixth round than that. So it, Brown is an interesting case. If you feel like you can him into the locker room if you feel like you have some strong leadership and listen let's be real the Redskins and leadership in the locker room have always been a question we saw how the leadership started to fall apart uh, last season with DJ Swearinger and his antics and his thoughts got out to the media and it seemed like the locker room seemed to split part of that might have been because Alex Smith was no longer around the players mentioned that that being a big issue maybe Smith is the type of uh, leader that could be around the team even if he's not playing that could help maybe ease Antonio Brown in if you think you have the strong enough locker room to fit a Brown in, if you think you can fit him in cap space-wise, that's another situation that we're talking about. Washington does not have a lot of cap space. If you can fit Brown in cap space, locker room-wise, and only have to give up a fifth or sixth round pick, I don't think you can do much better than that. He's a better option than what's going to be out there in the agency. And obviously, in that portion of the draft, he's probably more likelihood than not going to be a better option than what you're going to be able to draft late in the draft. Philadelphia has decided to not franchise tag Nick Foles, which will make Foles a free agent coming up here in 2019. And that's an interesting name that's now on the market. Philadelphia had talked about the idea of keeping Foles um, in the fold uh, there as and, and franchise tagging him and then potentially getting a draft pick compensation for him when he would leave. But instead, they're going to let him walk. This brings the question is we all have talked about for, for months now Washington's quarterback situation. We discussed it in our last podcast, uh, them potentially looking late in the draft or into the first round of the draft. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, again, we'll, re we'll rehash that, especially now that the draft combine has started. But Nick Foles is now an option. Two weeks ago or a week and a half ago, the Skins had been, I guess, connected to Joe Flacco before he went out to Denver. I'm not 100% sure that was even real or how Washington could have made that happen. There's no way that they could have fit uh, Flacco's contract in their salary cap situation. And then you would have had at least uh, close to $40 million tied up in two quarterbacks in Flacco and Alex Smith. Not 100% sure where Washington was going with that, especially where it seems like Flacco's on the downside of his career. And I'm, I've never been a huge Flacco guy. This is a guy who's never made a Pro Bowl. He had a terrific uh, Super Bowl run. He's played well in the playoffs, but in the regular season, he's been more than an average quarterback. Now, back to Nick Foles. Foles, you could probably put him in the same conversation as, as a guy like Flacco uh, pr prior to his last two seasons here with Philadelphia, where he seemed to kind of burst onto the scene. It's a guy I actually really liked when he came into the draft out of Arizona. 
Uh, his big-time arm, he played terrific for the Eagles the past two seasons, obviously leading them to a Super Bowl a season ago, and then this year pushing them towards the playoffs. He outplayed Carson Wentz down the stretch. Wentz obviously dealing with some injuries. Foles is an interesting name. Again, it's going to cost Washington uh, quite a bit of money to get him. He's going to cost probably in the neighborhood of uh, close to $20 million uh, per season. I, if I was him, that's probably what I'd be looking for. That's the demand for a mid-tier NFL quarterback. The average for a mid-tier quarterback is about $20 million. He might push for a little bit more considering what he's done. He's a guy that's uh, played extremely well of late. And while Washington will, would be interesting because of their quarterback situation, You've also got to think that there are going to be other teams, in particular Jacksonville, who's going to have some interesting foals. Obviously, the Blake Bortles situation at quarterback for the Jaguars is not a good one. Bortles has not played well. And, and if you look two years ago, if Jacksonville actually had a competent quarterback, they probably are a Super Bowl contender with the way their defense had played last year. Everything was out of whack for the Jags. If they're able to add potentially a guy like Foles and they think Foles is the type of quarterback that can take them over the edge, I would not be surprised to see Tom Coughlin and Doug Marone push, put out that kind of money to bring Foles in at quarterback. If you're sold that what you saw in Philadelphia is not a systematic quarterback, a scheme-fit quarterback, a guy that you think actually can reach that potential and his previous years in the NFL were a guy just trying to feel it out, then that's the type of money that you're going to have to put forward towards Foles. Will Washington be willing to do that? I'm not 100% sure. The cap situation is just so difficult. The Redskins find themselves in a situation where they'd have to release several players. They'd have to restructure some contracts. We'll talk a little bit about that in a little bit. But can you really tie up close to $40 million in two quarterbacks and then have the idea where when Alex Smith, if Alex Smith does come back, not in 2019, but in 2020, which seems much more realistic than him ever playing the game this year, will you be willing to then have... $40 million tied into two quarterbacks and then Colt McCoy. And we all know Jay Gruden and the organization's affinity for Colt McCoy. So it's an interesting dynamic. I'm not 100% sure the Redskins will jump into the Nick Foles sweepstakes. Do they need to address their quarterback situation? Absolutely 100%. I'm just not sure that they're actually going to do it with Foles. That's where I think they're going to end up doing it in the draft. I think Washington is best served in entering the draft and taking a quarterback there. Chris Cooley was talking about it in his podcast earlier this week where he said Dwayne Haskins is not the guy he would take in the first round, which I find to be interesting because most prognosticators and most experts really like Haskins. Having watched him play quite, quite a bit at Ohio State, I think he's a terrific young man, big-time arm, big body, uh, looks the prototypical part of an NFL quarterback. He's got good mobility, but he's really, really good in the pocket, uh, diagnosing defenses and, and moving his, uh, his and circulating his team down the field. But Cooley is not sold on him, actually. Cooley tends to like some other quarterbacks in the draft. We'll see how this shakes out in the combo draft combine i try not to put tremendous amount of stock in the, in the combine look let's be real this is all a measurement test for a lot of players but there's some videotape of guys out there what they've done at the collegiate level that i think bodes a lot more than say let's what they've done here at the combine i think you, we can put sometimes too much stock into what the scouting combine actually is i said last podcast i was a huge fan of drew lock I thought Derek Dooley did an excellent job with him this year at Missouri. Locke was one of the most prolific quarterbacks, not only in the SEC, but in all of college football. Dooley, obviously a coach with the Dallas Cowboys, before previously coaching in Alabama and Tennessee, before he was the head coach uh, of the 
Louisiana Tech, so he's got a, quite a bit of experience. The fact that Locke was able to work hand-in-hand -hand with a guy who's got uh, NFL experience bodes well for his transition moving into the NFL. I'm also a fan of Daniel Jones at Duke. He's got the David Cutcliffe touch. Uh, those of us who know the SEC quite well, Cutcliffe was a big-time offensive coordinator at the University of Tennessee when Peyton Manning was there. He's also the head coach for Eli Manning at Ole Miss. Uh, Cutcliffe's done an excellent job with Jones at Duke. I think he's got the intangibles to be a great NFL quarterback. He did really well at the Senior Bowl. So I think teams that had a chance to see him play there will also get a chance to see him at the scouting combine. Washington has said, and Bruce Allen has come out this week and said that Washington is interested in the quarterback position. He said that there are some guys that potentially in the fourth round uh, that they've got quarterbacks rated in potentially in the fourth round who could be of some interest to the Redskins. The Redskins understand that their quarterback situation is dire heading into this season. They, they, they're they not oblivious to the fact that they need help at the quarterback position. They know that right now they only have Colt McCoy on roster. Alex Smith will not be back regardless of what they're saying that they think he might be a 2019 addition. I don't, we, I think we all can understand that Smith is probably going to miss all of 2019 and maybe even further on into that. It's a, a devastating injury he's coming from. So Washington understands that they're going to have to address the quarterback situation. With the 15th overall pick, is that a spot where they might go with the quarterback? I think it depends on what's left on the board. I think if a Drew Locke is there, I think if a Daniel Jones is there, I think that's where you might see Washington pull the trigger. If I'm the Skins, I'm not trading up here. I don't think there's a quarterback in this draft that's trade upable unless you're going to push the chips to the table, uh, to the middle of the table and say, hey, I'm going to go after uh, a Dwayne Haskins because I'm totally sold on him in the top half of the draft. Or if you're going to say, you know what, I think Kyler Murray has the intangibles to be that kind of guy. Speaking of Murray, it's going to be interesting to see what Arizona does. If Arizona decides that they are going to take Kyler Murray, that puts Josh Rosen now on the trade block. And that's something where I think Washington really should look hard into. If I'm the Redskins, I'm absolutely calling Arizona and asking what's it going to take to bring Josh, Josh Rosen out. This was a kid out of UCLA couple years ago who was looked at as the real deal. He was taken in the top half of the draft last season. There's no doubt he's got talent. Right now with Cliff Kingsbury as the new head coach at Arizona, is Cliff sold on Rosen or does he want to be reunited with a guy like Kyler Murray, a guy he knows quite well, a guy that fits in his system, the system that he is probably going to be instilling or installing, I should say, at Arizona. If that ends up being the case where the Cardinals decide they are going to move in a different direction, they're going to draft Kyler Murray because they like what Murray brings. They like the fit of him in Cliff Kingsbury's offense. Washington absolutely should call the Cardinals and ask for Josh Rosen. And that's where I would potentially use my first or second round pick to try to get Rosen. I, it's a, it seems like a lot, but if you are sold that this is potentially the quarterback of the future, I think he's the type of guy who could be the quarterback of the future for Washington if they were to pull the trigger. I'm willing to give up my second round pick in this year's draft to go take Rose and have him play either start over Colt McCoy or sit a year out and then moving forward he becomes your NFL, your starting quarterback. If he ends up hitting, it's been well worth moving that second round pick. And finally, the Skins looking to lock up Brandon Sheriff. Washington needing to address the offensive line situation. Locking in Sheriff, a Pro Bowl pick. And you know what? 
Scott McLuhan deserves a lot of credit for making this draft pick. We all kind of scratched our head at first, taking a big-time guard um, early in the draft a couple seasons ago. Not exactly the sexiest pick. But the kid's been an absolute monster on the offensive line, a full-on mauler, a pro bowler for the Redskins. And you know what? Locking him long-term also frees up some cap space. Washington's offensive line, we all talk about the quarterback situation being a problem last year. The offensive line was absolutely decimated by injuries. Sean Laval, he's probably been the biggest punching bag on the offensive line for years now for the Redskins. It's probably as far back as I can remember. I can't think of an offensive lineman that's been beat up as much as him. I can't expect Laval to be back next year. The Redskins need to address that offensive line situation, but solidifying Brendan Sheriff on one side, you can then go either in the middle of the draft and address that in the offensive line, or you can go into free agency. I would expect the Redskins to be active along the offensive line. I would bring back Jonathan Cooper. I thought Coop played pretty well in his time here in D.C. Not bringing him in potentially as a starter. Let him come in and compete for a starting role. But he's definitely a guy that would bring in to solidify in the backup and play a potential swing uh, swing offensive lineman role. The Skins need some depth. They need some depth. And we saw last year how through injuries guys not being potentially ready. Ari Quanjo just hasn't worked out yet, even though he's well-liked out of Alabama. Hasn't quite worked out yet in that backup swing role. I don't think the Redskins actually particularly trust him yet. Uh, he hasn't shown that exactly the development needed where you can actually say, hey, let's thrust him into the role here as the new right guard or left, you know, left, left guard in D.C. So I think the Redskins will address the offensive line situation here uh, in the middle of the draft. I expect them to be active in free agency. Locking in Brandon Sheriff is an excellent decision. The Skins can get this done. I think it's Bruce Allen to make this happen as soon as possible. I think in order to free up some cap space, the Redskins also need to talk to some other players on this team to see if they can't restructure some deals unless they want to stick around and be here. We'll talk about that in a little bit because it will answer a couple of your questions. One of the questions that was asked to me is what we think the Redskins are going to do here in the draft. And you know what? A sleeper is a guy that I think could help Washington free up some cap space in a little bit. All right, not a bad, not a bad three and out there. And I think we addressed some situations and some things that uh, we highlighted this week for the Washington Redskins. Now, I said, though, there was no guest this week. We were going to take some questions. And obviously, if you guys ever want to continue to post some of your questions, you can shoot those questions out at on my Twitter account at TheRealJKJ. Or you can go ahead and shoot that email at john.k.johnsonii at gmail.com. We gladly will answer your questions. And you know what? Let's go ahead and do it. Let's take a first question. Why would Washington be interested in Joe Flacco? Now, I talked a little bit about this earlier, and I'm not 100% sure Washington actually was all that interested. I don't know how they could have fit him in the salary cap situation that they have. You know, bringing in a guy like Flacco, he's a veteran quarterback, but he didn't play uh Strictly well for Baltimore the past couple seasons. In fact, he was beat out for the starting quarterback job uh, by Lamar Jackson, a guy who, um, to be honest, I don't think was particularly ready to play, but played particularly well for the Ravens. I thought uh, Jackson was a little bit rushed in the, into the starting role, but he was playing better than than Flacco was, and he gave them more than Flacco could. And you know, he pushed Baltimore into a situation where they were in the playoff hunt. Um, why Washington would bring him in? Again, I'm not 100% sure. I think he gives him some depth at quarterback, but I'm not 100 sure he's actually a big time upgrade over Colt McCoy where I'd be willing to give up a mid-round draft pick for him and eat some of that salary cap
cap uh, and tie myself salary cap wise into him. I think there was a little bit more overblown. I think Washington may have called and asked Denver, uh, excuse me, asked Baltimore what they might be looking for in Flacco. Uh, I think they got a price tag from him and decided to say no. And I think Ball, uh, Denver ended up getting a little bit panicky because they heard that there might have been some other interest and decided they were going to pull the trigger. I thought Denver gave up far too much. But I'm not 100% sure Washington was all that interested in Flacco because it just doesn't seem to make much sense. Another question we get here is a sleeper at the draft this year. Who is my sleeper in the draft this year? You know, everybody's going to sit there and talk about the top half of the draft. And I think sometimes we we think, okay, a sleeper, who's a guy in the, you know, in the first round that's going to end up having a pro bowl career. I'm going to take you further out in the draft here. It's a guy I actually covered quite a bit, uh, and I'm going to tell you it's Jamal Custis, wide receiver out of Syracuse. I don't think Custis is the type of guy that's going to have a uh, pro bowl uh, type of year. I don't think he's going to turn into your number one wide receiver, but I do think he's a guy who has a long NFL career. Uh, this probably might end up being on uh, old uh, what is it? Old exposed takes or whatever that is. This is, this is eventually going to end up on there now that I've said it. But I think he's going to have a long NFL career. I look at a guy like Jamal Custis fitting in a role that could be like a Niles Paul here in Washington. A guy you can take in the fifth maybe sixth round, uh, you know, depending on how his combine goes and how how well he runs, uh, maybe he, you know, climbs up into the fourth round. He's a big-bodied wide receiver, runs excellent routes, uh, good hands. He's a guy that was a former tight end that was converted to a wide receiver. Uh, he had almost 1,000 yards this year, over 900 yards receiving, and six touchdowns in a wide-open Syracuse offense. I think sometimes that gets a little overblown. We think Syracuse's offense, we think they throw it around a lot. It's a physical, very physical offense under head coach Dino Baber. Uh, they really stick their nose in it, and they throw off the wrong. Uh, so Custis, having been a tight end, is a guy that you know can block. You know he's very physical. Syracuse likes to run the football, so at the wide receiving position, he's learned how to stop block. Uh, he's done a really nice job of it, and then he's developed himself into a wide receiver. I can see a team taking him and converting him back to a tight end or in that H-back kind of role or in one of those more physical um, in-goal line situation wide receivers, a guy that could be an absolute special teams contributor right away. I think he's a guy, again, that can have a long NFL career um, as a guy that could fit into that maybe secondary, second tight end role. Uh, especially here in Washington, filling that role that was Niles Paul. And, you know, Washington really missed a guy like that last year uh, where they had a tight end that was a big, big physical um, specimen, a guy not, not afraid to be um, a leader on special teams, uh, not afraid to be a leader in the locker room. Niles Paul was 100% that. It was known that he was well missed in that locker room for his special team contributions. Jamal Custis could fit that role. Adding him also could help you free up some cap space. Uh, Vernon Davis is taking up quite a bit. Big, he's, D, he's a DMV guy. He loves being a Redskins. Grew up being a Redskins fan. He's glad to be home. I think Washington needs to talk to him, see if he's willing to restructure his deal. Otherwise, at his age, it might be a, a situation where he might need to move on. But that always leaves the ultimate question: Is George, is George Reed going to be able to stay healthy? Reed, uh, a terrific tight end, uh, one of the best in the league when healthy. He's holding up some cap space himself. But if you take the two, you've got to go with the younger one, the one that's got more uh, upside, more talent. Um, and and no, this is no knock on Vernon Davis. Good reach, just a better player. Um, so if you're going to be able to free up some cap space, we know Washington is in a tight cap situation, especially to get their needs at the quarterback position. If they can get Niall, excuse me, if they can get Vernon Davis 
to restructure his deal, uh, then you maybe keep him and then bring in a guy like Jamal Custis to be your number three. Or you know what? Maybe it's time to part ways with Vernon and you know, hey, you get a guy in like Jamal Custis, he could be your second wide, uh, your second tight end. If the Redskins are aggressive, maybe they go in uh, at the wide receiver position in free agency. He's a guy that you can learn along the way and, and become that Niles Paul kind of role. So that's my sleeper of the draft is Jamal Custis. I think he can have a long career. I think he would serve Washington well if they brought him along. Third and final question we have here in what should be Washington's main focus this offseason sans the quarterback position? I think it's the wide receiver position. We talked about Antonio Brown a little bit earlier, how Washington really should address uh, the wideout. Jamison Crowder, a free agent, um, this season, I wouldn't break the bank on him. Um, you know, Paul Richardson coming off of an injury, I, I said before, I'm a very big fan of his. Um, Deshaun Jackson has a potential to be a free agent if the Bucks decide to move off with him. Uh, Deshaun played very well here. Uh, he was well-liked. Jay Gruden didn't want to lose him. Uh, so he could be a guy that enjoyed his time in D.C. Maybe he's a guy that you circle back and bring back. It's it's wide receiver is a position I think Washington uh, should address. I've not been a fan of Josh Dotson. I think his time has come. Uh, we've been waiting quite a bit to see if he could uh, turn the corner and be the number one wide receiver that uh, Scott McLuhan thought he had when he drafted him in the first round a couple seasons ago. We all like Mo Harris, uh, but you know I'm not going to sit there and say Mo is the type of guy that can be your number one or number two uh trey quinn same thing these are guys that i think are great complementary pieces at wide receiver um, i'm talking about harris and quinn great complementary pieces at wide receiver if they're your number four five three four five then you've got a lot of options there at wide receiver but if they're your one and twos you're probably not the type of offense uh, that's going to be really scaring defenses in the pass game and that's no knock on them but it's just that they're not the number one or prototypical number one wide receivers I think Washington really missed Pierre Garçon more than they'll actually let you know uh, that that was a that was a big loss uh, not having him in the wide uh, you know as part of that wide receiving core and wide receiving group uh, so I, I would if I'm the skins I'm going to be aggressive in the wide receiver position whether it's in free agency or in the middle of the draft Hollywood Brown uh, out of Oklahoma is a guy that I think has the potential to, to be a number one wide receiver that could potentially be there with the 15th pick. Let's say Washington is able to swing a deal with the Cardinals for Josh Rosen and they decide maybe they'll take a quarterback or they decide they'll take a quarterback later in the draft where they've got some projections where uh, someone else will fall to them a little bit later. Uh, maybe they'll look at the kid out of Washington a little bit later in the draft. Then maybe that's one of those things where you take a Hollywood Brown, you've got a now number one wide receiver or the potential for another one, uh, number one wide receiver and help out your offense and your wide receiver pool. Not a bad question list. And again, if you want to submit your questions, you can reach me at the real JKJ on Twitter, or you can submit your questions at john.k.johnsonii at gmail.com and we'll read them in our next podcast and answer your questions. And finally we bring us to our hot take. We talk all about the quarterback situation and that seems to be all the talk in DC. And my take is for this week the Redskins will not address the quarterback situation in a way that fans find pleasing in free agency or the draft. What I'm thinking the Redskins are going to do, they're going to address their offensive situation where it's on the offensive line and a wide receiver in the draft, 
going into the season with Colt McCoy as the number one quarterback. I don't know if that's exactly the right game plan, but that is my thought process is moving on. I don't think that's uh, out of the realm of possibilities. They really love Colt as a quarterback. Jay Gruden feels it's his time to give him a shot uh, with Alex Smith out. I would not be surprised if that ends up being the decision that Washington makes. And you know what, fans, if you get upset by that, completely understand but that's where you can create your own movement maybe you start boy continuing to boycott and stop putting money in dan snyder's pockets and get your voices heard and let the redskins call up their front office and blow up their phones but i feel like that's going to end up being the situation coming into the season you might see washington especially if the draft falls the way it, the way it could washington in the 15th pick uh, take a hollywood brown at wide receiver address maybe some offensive line concerns in the second third round or a linebacker, um, they find themselves a linebacker in the second or third round, and then maybe in the fourth or fifth round, Washington taking a quarterback that's more in a developmental role, a guy that can back up under Colt McCoy. They bring in a, a stopgap veteran quarterback uh, to kind of be Colt McCoy's backup, and then we head into 2020 with Alex Smith potentially being back at quarterback, Colt McCoy still there as the backup, and then your young developmental quarterback uh, filing in in that role. So that's my thoughts on what's going to happen this week. I think the Redskin fans are you know, putting a lot of stock on it, and they're hoping that Daniel Jones or um, Dwayne Haskins or Kyler Murray or um, Drew Locke end up showing out in this, this combine. They fall in love with them, and then they keep your fingers crossed that the Redskins make a move. I hope I'm wrong on this, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say Washington will not address their quarterback situation early in the draft. And they're probably not going to address it in free agency just because of cap situation. They're going to go into the season with Colt McCoy as the number one and potentially a developmental quarterback late in the draft as the type of guy that's going to be uh, behind him and then a veteran uh, in between. So that's the take. That's the thoughts. Uh, again, I urge you to continue listening to this podcast. We'll continue uh, to develop it as long as we go. We'll continue to bring guests on. We'll continue to answer your questions. Uh, but for now, that's two in the books. Third one coming up after the NFL Draft Combine. We'll catch you guys next time.